the show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking for healthcare innovators. Here on the Healthcare Wrap, we believe that the healthcare experience has to change, and we're trying to do something about it. We can either stand back and let it take another 50 years, or we can jump in right now. And I think you know how we roll. We're not going to coast in neutral. We're hitting the gas. Come be a part of it. Each week, we talk about building the healthcare of tomorrow. We recently passed 170 episodes and three years on the air, and we're now in season six, where we're focusing on how to operationalize consumer-first healthcare and digging into the details of how to make it happen. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about human-centered design. As an industry, we're suffering from not knowing what we need to solve problems. So what do we do? I'll talk about that. Then Kelly David is in the house to share some provocative thinking about broken brands and how to fix them. This episode is jam-packed, and we have a ton to share along the way. It's time to dive right in. You ready? Let's go. Flavor of the Week. That Coldplay classic Fix You starts with the immortal words... When you try your best, but you don't succeed. When you get what you want, but not what you need. As an industry, we're suffering from not knowing what we need. We think we do, but most times we don't. There are so many times that a problem bubbles up in a boardroom and someone's tasked with solving the problem, and then they start looking for answers, but they don't know what tools they need to fix the problem. And so they go back to the way they've solved things in the past. The problem could be anything. Recovering your revenue, retaining talent, finding doctors to use your app, improving HCAP scores, competing with CVS, or differentiating your telehealth experience, just to name a few. Whatever it is, your goal and mine is to put the consumer at the center, fall in love with the problem, and not jump straight to our go-to solutions. We each have them. Marketers typically say advertising their way into people's hearts is the answer. Business planners typically say stick to the tried and true, why create unnecessary risk? And digital teams typically say, we'll either build or buy a new solution and just tack it on. This is exactly why we need design thinking in our toolbox. Everyone does, but guess what happens? While we start looking for answers in all the usual places, we can miss a new tool that could solve the problem quicker and more effectively if you only knew about it and understood its value. That, my friends, is exactly how I would describe human-centered design. The framework and perspective to quickly identify new solutions in a consumer-first world. The foundation upon which to build the healthcare of tomorrow. It isn't something for a committee or a task force to own. It's everything. It's legitimately a skill for all leaders to have and use. So go ahead and file this under need to have rather than nice to have. Because all those problems that you're getting tasked with, human-centered design makes them easier. 
Don't let this tool set go unused. We've lived in silos long enough. Heck, we've built palaces out of them, impenetrable fortresses that we think are there to withstand the headwinds of non-traditional competition. But in reality, they're simply making it harder to innovate. How do we all get on the same page? One way is to use the same tools. So as we spend the next decade or more truly making healthcare consumer first, let's start with the thing we all need, human-centered design. More than almost anything else, that will be a key tool in building the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the Week. All right, listeners, I've got another treat for you. So many of you know Kelly David, and I'm really, really excited to have her on the program with us. Uh, for some reason, it's one of these things like there, there are people, Kelly, the, there's people like yourself in my universe that I'm just like, why is it taking me this long to have you on the program? So one way or the other, I'm, I'm just thrilled to have you on. For those of you who don't know, Kelly's the Chief Strategy Officer at 12 North Agency. She's going to tell us a little bit about what 12 North is all about. But uh, first and foremost, welcome to the Healthcare Wrap. Thank you so much, Jared. I do feel pretty honored to be here after so long. I've, I've spent a lot of commutes listening to Healthcare Wrap, so I'm excited to be on. Well, I can tell that because it's one of those things, if people aren't familiar with it, then the first thing they ask is like, do I really have to rap? And I'm like, well, all you got to do is listen and you'll know that is not a requirement at all. But yeah, so we were just talking weather. Maybe that's a good little uh, way to break the ice here because uh, you are mentioning it's been a little bit of a scorcher, but then it dipped down. And so you've got at least a break here recently from the warm weather. But uh, tell listeners, uh, where are you based? I am in Maine. Central Maine, Los Narborn area. Did you have roots there? Like, did you grow up there or did you have something that brought you to that area of Maine? Yeah, so I did. I grew up in 20, 30 minutes from where I live now and went away to college. And I, you know, distinctly, I was never coming back to Maine ever. And I came home on a break and just thought, how did I ever think that? It's so beautiful here. You sort of get the best of many, many worlds. It's close to Boston. You know, you can fly to almost anywhere. And I haven't regretted that decision once. That's awesome. I think uh, every every region needs people like that. It's great to be happy with, with where we are and, and be able to be able to say like, yeah, you're, you're back to very close to where you grew up. It's, it's super cool. See, I'm one of these who can't see that right now. Although, so like I grew up in Houston, Texas, and then I did go away for college and then I came back to the Dallas area, which it sounds close, but it's like four to five hours, depending yeah. on which side of town. And so I spent a good number of years there and now I'm, you know, a solid thousand miles away. But I tell my, my parents who are still there in Houston, I say, you know what, look, we're both the same thing. We're both like about 15 minutes off of I-10 and you just, you just hop on I-10 and, and you just head towards me. They just have to go about a thousand miles. Straight uh, shot. <laughs> straight shot, right? So yeah, it's one of those, I try to make them feel like I'm not as far off as I am, but uh, hey, we still see each other. So, so there we go. Kelly, tell me about 12 North. This is a relatively new thing for you. I'm excited for where you are and what you're doing now, but let's start with the name. Is there some significance to the name 12 North? Yeah. So interestingly enough, we vacation every year in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. And my husband had this company 
for the last couple of years and it was under a different moniker and it, it kind of had a little bit of a different flavor. And he did sports and live events and things like that marketing. And obviously with the pandemic, live events weren't really weren't really it anymore. So he decided to do a rebrand. And actually I came up with the name 12 North Agency, which 12 North is a road in Kerala, North Carolina in the Outer Banks that goes north toward Virginia and onto a beach. And it's for us and for our family, it's definitely like a feeling, right? Like that's our happy place. That's where we go to get away from things that we do it every year. There's a calm to it. It's, you know, I feel the most creative there. And so it just felt like it made sense for this kind of new direction. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's always going to feel meaningful even like here, just the name of the agency itself. Like there, there's a lot more to that than I realized. That's fantastic. Yeah, it does. And so we're an integrated marketing communications and branding agency, which is also, you know, something that I'm really passionate about. So it's definitely a good fit. And I decided to join the agency just a couple of months ago and really brought all of my healthcare experience in addition to his sort of live events and things like that. It's a great mix. And I tell you, there's there's a lot of need for it, for that type of mix to understand, like to, I'm sure you've already seen being able to kind of step on the other side because you were so well-versed in every side of healthcare between the, you know, the client side in-house work that you've done for a number of years, but then working with agencies and consultants and, you know, and, and vendors, you've worked with plenty of them and you, you know, kind of what they bring and, you know, when, when that kind of relationship is working well, I'm guessing that, you know, that was one motivator for you to be able to take a step on the other side and, and, and see things from this different perspective. And um, any, any like kind of initial thoughts or impressions of what it's been like so far on the agency side, and we'll get into brands and stuff here, but, you know, I'm, I'm just curious, like what it's been like so far. Yeah, I've been in healthcare marketing and branding for almost 20 years, basically my entire career. And so I definitely was looking for that new perspective and and I sure have gotten that now. You know, the biggest thing I think is that it's hugely beneficial to understand how the business of healthcare works and what it's like to be on the client side, but also to see and not be burdened with so many of those breaking down the silos and having to do that sort of cultural work from the inside, it's different. And it is a little freeing, honestly. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir right there. That that is uh, one part I don't miss. Just being totally, totally honest, there are parts of, you know, being part of a large organization that's mission-based, you know, that is doing good in certain ways, the amount of blocking and tackling that, you know, a lot of our listeners, quite frankly, are in the same roles that you and I both had at, at health systems and hospitals. And so, you know, we're uh, we're kind of preaching to the choir there. A lot of you who are listening understand what this is like. You're dealing with it on a regular basis. You're spending so much time doing that blocking and tackling and yeah, organizational shuffling, if you will, the figuring out how to operationalize these grand plans and how to do it cross-departmentally. I don't even know if that's a word. I'm making up words lately on podcasts, but hey, you know, we'll just go with it. But yeah, what a unique perspective. I'm going to be really paying attention to your posts and, and, and the things you share with us as, as you have this perspective on things. It's, it's really great to see how it's going already. Yeah, thank you. I, and I think blocking and tackling is you sort of put some perfect words to it, honestly, because that is what it feels like. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny, like it's never one of those things that's on the job description and it probably should be uh, one of the first 
tasks that's on there. Like, Hey, you know, you're responsible for this, you, you know, like the, yeah. this is, this is one of the things that's going to be part of this job. So I know uh, most of our listeners can relate to that regardless of the size of your organization. There's just a lot of that that has to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like all that actually has a lot to do with what we're getting into today, which we're digging in on brands, especially what, what I think you'd refer to as broken brands. How do we know when, when a brand is not being effective, like when it's not working, when it's not actually conveying the values that you want to and and creating an experience that you want to. You've done a lot of thought on this. You've done a lot of work on, on this. And, and I think when, when we pinpointed one specific area, it really was this thought of like, what do you do with a broken brand? So let's start with what, how do you know a brand is broken in the first place? And what do you even mean by that? So I think first, I, a broken brand doesn't have to have a rebrand necessarily, which I think that the, the idea of doing a rebrand is it feels very expensive and time consuming. And so where branding is time consuming, I don't think that all broken brands require a rebrand. So that's the first thing. But I really think when I think of a broken brand, it's a healthcare brand or any brand that is no longer using the brand to serve the customer or to reach the customer. And I think in healthcare, especially, we develop these brands and they're either broken in the way that they're inconsistent and aren't getting the right messages out and don't make sense to people, or we get so, I'm going to use the phrase, high on our own supply that we forget who the brand is really about. Like the brand isn't to serve us. The brand is to serve the customer. And if you're no longer doing that, your brand is broken. I think kind of keeping it simple, that helps us realize that there's a lot to it, actually. Healthcare specifically, how can a how can a brand not be effective? Like what are some specific ways that it can, like when it is broken, I guess, what are the consequences? Like what, what happens when it's not working well? I think that really for me, you know, in my experience, when a healthcare brand is broken, they're no longer meeting the consumer where they are. So they're focused very much on what's happening within the four walls of the hospital or the practice. And I really believe that successful, healthy healthcare brands get outside of their four walls and reach their patients or consumers where they are. So we're providing, you know, education outside within the community. We're doing health screens in, you know, where people live and, you know, meeting people where they are. And also very clear about what we do, what we offer, not only for our patients and consumers, but also for our own teams. So our staff. So a couple of different ways we can kind of go with that. One is when you're talking about meeting people where they are. Can you expand on that a little bit? Any specifics there? What, what's an example of, of a brand who is doing that well, I guess? Like what, how do you know when your brand is meeting people where they are? You know, one of the things during COVID, I, I worked for a small hospital and I, I think that hospital had done a lot of work outside the four walls of the hospital prior to the pandemic. And that paid off in spades when the pandemic came around and we needed to reach people who needed to come in for their colonoscopies, for example. So we already had that sort of community relationship with them. And I think another example is vaccinations for COVID-19. Going out into the community where people are, where they exist, where they live to make the vaccination process very convenient, simple, possible from a transportation perspective. And I think this idea that we need to be a health partner with people, you know, wellness 
and beyond and not just think of a patient as sort of that endpoint of care, but really developing that relationship with them from youth on up so that their you know their hospital their healthcare entity is who they turn to for health information for care for a whole spectrum of things. Oh, that's a good point. I really like how you tie that into to wellness itself because it's very clear you're thinking about this in terms of not just a patient experience when you are engaging with a with a doctor at the clinic that this is very much a, an experience. I, I use that word a lot and hopefully it's not losing meaning because I mean how often I use it, but for me, that means all sorts of things. It means how you engage with a brand. Like it's really simple. Yeah. Anything that you engage with a brand, that's part of the customer experience. And so in healthcare, we usually refer to it as a patient experience. But then sometimes, you know, clinically, I've learned that a lot of times a clinician thinks that literally just means the time that you're in the clinic. And I've always thought, no, well, that it's really like anytime you're you're a healthcare consumer and you're in, you're engaging with the healthcare system, you know, that's the the healthcare consumer experience, but patient experience sounds easier to remember. <laughs> so, it's sometimes that I just get hung up on the terminology and it's really easy to forget that that's really just engaging with a brand. I don't know what do you think about that? No, I completely agree. And so I do think that it's hard for physicians to think of their patients as consumers. And I think that that's okay. But I think we do need to think of them as people. And so when I'm talking about, you're 100% spot on, like it's the experience. So, you know, if you're a cancer center and you're providing, you know, digital cancer screening tools, if you're providing, you know, cancer screening events, information about how to prevent cancer, that's a whole brand, right? Like you're providing the care, the treatment, the follow-up, the preventative information, the education that they need. You're really building a relationship with your consumer. And that to me is a whole brand. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff, and we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health Hey, this is Scott Burgess from Healthcare 360, the fair and balanced healthcare podcast, exploring everything you wish you knew about healthcare, but don't. Join us weekly in an open, transparent conversation with some of the biggest names in the healthcare business surrounding this one question and one question only. Had you known there were other options to exhaust and explore before you travel down the traditional healthcare route, how would you weigh those options against what you think healthcare and medicine really is? For more information about Healthcare 360 and how together we can help transform lives, visit scotteburgess.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us anywhere you enjoy listening. See you there. I think that helps just as a refresher, you know, remind people of why it's important to consider 
you know, how a brand fits into a healthcare experience, regardless of, yeah, whether we refer to it as patient experience or consumer experience or whatever, it's important to realize that brand plays a part in this for sure. You know, we can definitely say that. How do you know when a brand is broken? That's a really interesting question because I don't think it's a matter of check the box. This brand is broken. We need to call in the brand fixers. Does that make sense? So I think that there are levels of broken brands. So I think that you can have, you know, a part of your brand out of joint and, you know, you can kind of work on fixing it. I think that the other sort of the other side of it and why it's more complex. And to your point, Jared, it's not just, you know, I think for so long, people thought of brand as like the logo, what it looks like and associated it so closely with that's just a marketing thing. And the reality is that everyone within the organization is responsible for the brand and how people experience the brand. And so I think the quickest way to have a broken brand is to have a misaligned culture. So if your employees and your culture and your employee engagement does not align with what you're saying the brand is, that's a broken brand. And I think that that kind of a broken brand is the most obvious and kind of damaging. I really think that that engagement piece and your internal branding is super critical to the health of your brand. Okay. So you're giving me a lot to think about here because I I think you're right. I like the, I'm latching onto this idea of misalignment being a reason why a brand might not have the power or the effect that we expect it to have. And where that does come into play is so many individual choices about our care along the way. You were kind of referring to it earlier, whether it's something that is preventive, you know, it's something that we're trying to work on our own wellness so we don't have to go see a doctor. There are still brands involved all along the way as we make all those choices. And they're they're informing us. They're kind of giving us signals of whether or not healthcare choice A or you know, going going to the urgent care to see something or to set up an appointment or even to have a primary care physician, you know, a relationship where you can actually have a a PCP to even call. Those are choices we all make all the time. And it's well before we end up having to come in and see a healthcare professional. I'm really latching on to the stop because the misalignment there is is so important that, that we have to think about. What have you seen when at whatever level, because I, I love that thought also that there are levels of this. It's not just a like a binary, yes, it's broken. No, it's not. <laughs> There's a lot of levels in between. I love that thought. There are a lot of different responses, I think, kind of like knee-jerk reactions once somebody in the organization says, okay, we need to improve the, the brand. And you were speaking to it earlier in terms of that doesn't mean you have to do a rebrand. Talk to me about some of the other you know, ways you can address when a brand isn't as effective as it can be? And what are some things that you see or that you've, you've been involved in to help get the brand to where it needs to go? So I think the first thing, and I alluded to it in the last question, or I, I sort of touched on it, but I think the first thing that you can do is check yourself. And the easiest way and the most cost-effective way to do that is to 
connect with your internal stakeholders. So your own employees to find out how they see the brand and what they think the brand means and, you know, what the brand benefit is to the consumer. And chances are you're going to want to do this because you're feeling that there's a misalignment or that there's some, you know, fractured brand happening. And you'll learn a lot just by talking to your employees doing focus groups, doing surveys, seeing how engaged they are. A lot of, you know, healthcare entities will do yearly or bi-yearly engagement surveys. And you should know from listening to your own employees where your brand stands and what they think of the brand. And that should be hugely helpful. And from there, you can use that data and that information to make decisions about how you're going to try to connect with your external audiences to see what they think of it. Maybe you don't even need to. Maybe it's really just we need to really focus on our own internal branding efforts to fix our external branding efforts. What's the difference there in terms of internal versus external? I mean, like how do they play with each other? In healthcare, you know, I'm talk- I'm thinking about larger entities definitely, but even smaller healthcare organizations, you have a group of people that create the patient experience. And so if they don't understand your values, your expectations, how to deliver on the brand promises, how to live the mission, all of those things, it impacts what your brand actually looks like to the outside world. And I think the easiest way to make brand mistakes and to lead to brand, you know, a brand being broken is to not understand where you're making mistakes (laughs) and to not you know, check yourself and make sure that you're walking the walk, so to speak. Did I answer your question? Yes. Yeah. Because I'm thinking of this in terms of, you know, starting points, right? So the thought of, of even having this conversation, the one that you were just talking about, like internal versus external, how do we know? Like that's the conversation that if it's happening on a regular basis, and if there's any means of, of measuring it, then we're at a different level here. But, you know, if we're not quite there and there's disagreement on how to, how to go about things, I'm, I'm wondering what you would say at that point. You know, so it's so like if you, if you came in and there are folks having this type of conversation there in the leadership, they're like, there's disagreement on what the brand means or, you know, or, or how effective it is. What's maybe a, like a starting point or, or an, one of those first steps you would recommend to leaders to get their brands going in the right direction again. I'll harp on it a little bit more, but I really do think it's that internal piece. And, you know, to convince leadership that there has to be some change, data helps. (laughs) It definitely helps to make a case. But I, I do think if you can get some of that you know, research from your own team and how they're feeling about the brand. That's something that you can take to leadership. I think that, you know, some of the other things that are not fixing, you know, a brand or or rebranding is just get some agreement on what's our story. What brand story are we trying to tell? If we could give one statement to the public about what our brand is, what would that be? And so often you have these statements in existence, but nobody knows what they are. So I think that if you can just sort of start with that and how, and then the other piece of that is, and why I've sort of harped on the internal audience so much is that really all of those people can be brand ambassadors. So if you can develop a, how do we 
put a plan in place to develop all of our employees as brand ambassadors? What kind of a, a plan can we put into place there? And that's regardless of if you, you know, completely redo your brand or redo your website or, or whatever you do, you can always develop sort of guidelines and programming around developing brand ambassadors. Well, I'm latching onto this, this concept a lot and I'm real, I, the, the cons that what you just shared, I think this is really important and impactful because branding for so long, especially for you know for somebody who's not a marketer necessarily traditionally or by trade, but is involved in some kind of leadership capacity or an administrative capacity and and they come in on any of these conversations. Branding to them probably does look like a logo, a style guide, a messaging guide, you know some of the those, main deliverables that are, yes, they're the foundations, but how a brand manifests itself is in the things you've just been describing. Having brand ambassadors, what your internal culture, internal culture looks like, how that is aligned with your brand promise. And those are just extensions of the branding conversation that it feels like we, we ought to be having more in every healthcare organization because it's going to help us realize that there's more work to be done and that, that the brand ultimately plays a part in where healthcare is going from here on out. At the end of the day, your brand is going to be one thing that helps us decide whether or not to make a certain healthcare choice, where to go to seek help how to trust the information we get from somewhere. And so brand is an important component of, of, yeah, of where healthcare is headed in the future as well. As we kind of uh, start to wind down here, Kelly, I've got a couple just, uh, these are these are kind of uh, just uh, personal off, you know, off, off the top of your head kind of questions, but I'm curious about what would you like to see more when it comes to brands? It doesn't even have to be healthcare brands in general. Like, like what would you like to see more from brands in general? Such a good question. You know, I really think keep it simple. What we saw in the last year with the pandemic was being super authentic and telling a story doesn't have to mean, you know, sitting down with a $50,000 production crew and, and developing, you know, a high quality video or commercial. It can be really just having a conversation with your consumers, your audience, your patients. And I think that what I would really love to see is for brands to sort of get back to basics and keep it very simple and keep their two primary audiences in mind, their internal audience and their external audience. And this is more than one thing now, but, and to listen like frequently, not just every 18 months when you do a survey, but to always be listening and responding to the feedback that you're getting as a brand. Oh, I'm glad you made that distinction too. Like, not just, like you said, most organizations are going to say that they listen, but it's how often, because, I mean, you think about during COVID, I mean, you lived this, Kelly, like how frequently I remember seeing some of the things I, I read, actually several of the things you you shared and posted during the early days of the pandemic and about those six to seven day weeks, you know, 10 to 12 to 14 hour days, and you were printing off posters to hang in the hospital about, you know, with the latest information about everything about COVID, all the things they needed to learn. I mean, and how frequently those things kept changing. I mean, so you've lived this very recently, how frequently it changes. I mean, can you imagine somebody in a similar way? I don't think healthcare opinions are going to ever go back. Like, it's not like you're going to feel the same way about every aspect of, of your care 
for very long. <laughs> like there's a lot of things that they keep causing us to change the the things that we believe and yeah, the, the information we trust. I can't imagine if somebody had just taken like one data point for the beginning of the, of the pandemic and, and said, see, this is how patients feel <laughs> like that. That just wouldn't have worked. So I'm really glad you brought up that, that part up because the frequency of how often you listen is, is very important. Kelly, this has been great. I mean, I, I think it's it's always fun to you know just to uh, to talk shop, but but really get a lot of insights into the types of conversations that we need to be having here ultimately. So my last question uh, has nothing to do with brands. Simply first thing in the morning, and you're like, "Hey, cool! I'm I'm plugging in. I'm getting ready to start doing some client work." Like, what's the most exciting aspect of of client work for you right now? That's kind of an easy question for me. So two things: connecting people. I really love that which is interesting because I'm an introvert, but I love making, helping people identify meaningful connections between each other. Whether And and when I say people, I mean businesses too. Like, I just think that that's so, it's so great. Like it's, it makes me come alive. And I think that branding really can amplify that. And then the other one is solving problems. So I love to be able to take, you know, it's like that puzzle piece kind of a thing, like to take something that seems really complicated, simplify it and, you know, solve a problem from it. And maybe that's, you know, creating 12 different solutions to, you know, a very large problem. But those are my two sort of favorite things that I get really excited about and uh, passionate about and sort of keeps me getting excited to come to work every day. Well, I'm excited to see where things go for you. And I'm going to you know, keep following to, to hear the great things that, that 12 North is doing these days. And I'm so glad we had this chance to chat here, Kelly. Any final words for our listeners about anything we haven't covered yet? Just anything you'd like to share? You know, one quick thing that I had just thought about in the last question you asked me was, I think that the pandemic has changed consumers forever. And I think that ignoring your brand or waiting too long to make changes, not being nimble is no longer really an option. And in healthcare, we've struggled to make changes very quickly. And I think that the way that the consumers have changed and expectations have changed and their eyes have been open to, you know, the world of healthcare, it's in the news every day. I I think that we're going to need to be focused on healthcare, branding, consumer education, patient education for a long time. And I I think that this will signal and be the impetus for some change that we've been waiting for for quite a while in healthcare. I sure hope so. I think you're right. I think you're spot on. Kelly, it's been a pleasure. Where do listeners get a hold of you if they want to connect with you? Is Is it LinkedIn? Where's the best place for them to reach you? Yeah, so you can actually reach me via the 12 North Agency website, so 12northagency.com. I am on LinkedIn at Kelly David, and you can find me on Twitter, which is one of my favorite places, at KL David. Fantastic. Uh, Kelly, all the best to you. Stay safe, stay well, and can't wait to follow everything that's going on with you. Have a great uh, rest of the summer and look forward to one of these days. Let's be able to uh, uh, say hi in person one of these days again. I can't wait. Absolutely. I look forward to that. Thank you so much, Jared. Ed Marks here with Digital Voices, the only podcast for chief digital officers across all of healthcare and life sciences. Digital Voices is about the voice of the patient, the provider, the payer, pharma, big tech, retail, public health, really any part of the healthcare and life sciences ecosystem, that's the digital voice we wanna capture as we learn and break barriers across the entire spectrum. Join us weekly as we drop our pod.
Thanks to Kelly, and thank you so much for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, please, this is so important. Could you please subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about this podcast? Healthcare Wrap is a member of the Shift.Health content network. Folks, if you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health content network. We have Count Em Up, 32 shows, including Andrew King's new video series for healthcare marketers, as well as the Patient Convert podcast from Justin and Kelly Knott, and a brand new season of Radio Rev. Go check it out at Shift.Health. It's all free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks, and that's a wrap.